0: Year. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free, thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace,
1: Squarespace,
0: Squarespace brings the show to you, DLC, of course the show all about games and their many forms, games played on desktops laptops and consoles also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i'm your host jeff canada spelled with two n's and one t and i am joined as always by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis the guy who is always in
2: his kerchief when i'm in my cap mr christian spicer hello christian Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. I want to let our listeners know that you can return this podcast to uh, Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or the store where you bought it. Just go ahead and take it back. I'm sure it's fine. I haven't cleared this with those stores, but just take it back. You will get exactly what you paid for it in return. <laughs> Easily returnable podcast. Yeah. Uh, easy, easy, easy. We have a we have a
0: money back guarantee on this show. That is absolutely right. Should you, for any reason, not be pleased with your downloading and listening experience, you'll get exactly what you paid for it back. Uh, that's, well, some time that sometimes far guarantee. away,
2: my audio texture is a little low res, but if you move closer, it pops in. If you turn away from me, my audio <laughs> disappears entirely. But otherwise, <laughs> yeah. otherwise, it's there.
0: We are most best enjoyed on the newest iPhone slash iPods. Uh, if you're if you're trying on a on an older last gen uh, iPod i i, I iPhone uh, or Android
2: device, we oh, can't we no longer work it. on a Pixel two. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we just no longer work.
0: All right, we're gonna get into all that references references. But this is our last regular episode of the year. Next week, we're gonna do our games. Of the year, our favorites games of the year, which, uh, always involves Mr. Anthony Taormina. Although I haven't scheduled it with him, but I'm assuming he's going to be available because, uh, you know, he knows it's a, it's a standing date we have. Um, and then after that, we have our predictions for 2021. So that means this episode is our final regular episode of the year. And we thought. There is only one person, only one guest that we wanted to have to bring the family together, to to talk with one last time in 2020. She's been on multiple times this year and is absolutely... I mean, I can't say I have favorites, you know, but she's, she's my favorite. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, I'm so excited because once again, DLC stands for drawing locomotion into characters because we've got senior animator at riot games our friend lana Bashinsky is back with us hey lana
3: hello wow what an intro i am honored truly i know we talked a little bit about it before we began here but i do want to say that this is a little bit late it's kind of like our one-year anniversary of friendship I met met you guys because of the first DLC podcast that I was on, late 2019, very late 2019. And 2020 has been exhausting and hellish for everyone on the planet, but I cannot emphasize how much this show has brought joy to my life from listening to it, from getting to hang out on it with you guys and uh, interacting with the people who listen, whether it's on the Discord, a very little bit, and on Reddit or on Twitter. It has been such a joy. Like, if there's one thing like 2020, hell yeah, so thankful for the experience of meeting you guys and hanging out on the show. So, thank you.
0: Well, I'm actually genuinely shocked to hear that because I thought for sure you'd been on the show longer than a year. But I guess uh, 2020 counts as like five years, you know, yeah, in, yeah. in normal human experience time. So uh, it does feel like we've known each other much longer than a, a mere year. But in Uh-oh. that short time, you've become uh, an invaluable resource and we love you. And we're so glad you're going to be on for the last uh, show of the year,
2: the regular show of the year. And it was Cats coming out in theaters that caused 2020, not you being on DLC. In case anyone was listening and thinking like, "Yeah, you're the reason for 20." Correlation
0: is not causation. We <laughs> yeah, say that you. all the time. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm very excited to be here. And for the last show, like my, my holiday break started on Friday, and it was like a really stressful end of the year. Just work is crazy, and so this is like the beautiful cherry of like the last. You know, I'll say obligation for lack of a better word, but the last thing that I I wouldn't have it
0: any other way. This is the best. Well, let's jump into it then and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the week it's the story of the week. King. Story of the week it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's also where you send comments or questions or suggestions. Hey, is there a video game that you want reviewed that we haven't talked about? You can send your review to dlcfeedback at gmail.com, and we may read it on the show as well. Anything you'd like to send there, we love it. Also, you heard Lana talk about the Discord, which is 5x5DLC on Discord. We also have the subreddit. She mentioned that as well, which is reddit.com, or excuse me, 5x5DLC.reddit.com. Both places where fantastic folks get together, talk about video games and share some positive love, this great community. So I urge you to be a part of it. But Lana, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week?
3: Well, you know, looking at the stories that are on offer, I kind of feel, I feel like I'm robbing you guys of, of choosing this as your story of the week, specifically because You know, we'll get it it in the playlist, but I have not actually played it yet, but I'm still going to pull this myself because it is fascinating and what a crazy time. Uh, My story of the week is Cyberpunk 2077 pulled from the PlayStation Store and Sony offering refunds.
0: Yes, uh, this is this is kind of, uh, you know, 2020, 2020 was not letting up, right? There's going to be big, huge news, even in our last regular episode. This is one of those kind of megaton news stories that has a lot of ramifications. I don't think anybody saw this coming. I mean, a mere week ago we were talking about the release of Cyberpunk 2077. We had Andrew Reiner on and he was talking about how the, you know, the launch was a little rocky, but he was in love with the game and, you know, a lot of people were playing it, 8 million pre-orders, yada yada yada. And yes, there was some tumult around a rocky launch and a uh, you know, people who are dissatisfied, particularly playing on base Xbox One and PlayStation 4 consoles. But over the course of that week after the launch, that rumble turned into a storm, a, a, an S storm, if you want, you know what I mean. And, um, it, the, the vocal, uh, online community, uh, very upset. A lot of, uh, you know, the game being in people's hands, there was a lot of, Examination of all of the um, the bugs and glitches, and I don't even know. I and mean, we can get into this. This is one of the questions I want to dig into here: Is are they bugs and glitches, or is it just an unfinished game? Is it, are these bugs, or is it like a poorly designed game? Um, I have to also caveat everything I'm saying by there's a lot of people who are having a great time with Cyberpunk, especially people playing on PC. Clearly, this was a PC game first and foremost that has uh, had some difficulty being ported, particularly to last-gen consoles. But as as the story goes, what happened was Sony abruptly, uh, well, I mean, even before that, so, uh, the uh, CD Projekt Red saying, hey, uh, you know, we want people to be happy. The game is going to be patched over the next couple of months we have a big patch coming in january we have a big patch coming in february but if you want to get your game refunded feel free to consult your local retailers uh, or or ask sony you know and why not uh they kind of just um threw everybody else under the bus and passed that buck right along to everyone else who is the point of sale which uh seems to have irked folks at sony and and i would say rightly so uh and then all of a sudden, abruptly, we get this press release from uh, from Sony saying, uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment strives to ensure a high level of customer satisfaction. Therefore, we will begin to offer a full refund for all gamers who have purchased Cyberpunk 2077 via PlayStation Store. Sony Interactive Entertainment will also be removing Cyberpunk 2077 from PlayStation Store until further Notice, and then I think it was just one day later, Microsoft followed suit, also offering refunds for anybody that purchased the game on uh, Xbox. Although they didn't go as far as Sony to remove it from the store, then Cyber or excuse me, CD Projekt Red followed up and commented on Twitter, uh, saying that they would also honor uh, requests for refunds, even if it quote came out of their own pockets. What do you make of all this, Lana? You said you haven't you haven't actually played the game. I
1: haven't. So,
0: so you don't. I mean, you don't. Um, you don't have any kind of first person experience of the quality level of the game. So we can set that aside for a moment. Just on a sort of what it means for the industry. This is the biggest game of the year in a lot of ways. Uh, certainly a a huge release, very highly anticipated. Been people have been looking forward to it for n- almost a decade, and. It lands with this thud and then Sony takes this drastic measure. What do you think it it means for the industry as a whole and for CD Projekt Red in particular?
3: Man, I don't know if I could speak to what it means for the industry as a whole other than, you know, setting this precedent of if people are loud enough, it'll get like removed from the store. That's insane. That's crazy. I I do want to caveat everything I might say in a moment with saying I, as a developer, like my heart aches for CD project red. Like I cannot imagine the pain they're going through, especially after however many months of the crunch they weren't supposed to have. Like there's right. so much wrapped up in this, probably for the emotionally that oh, it just burns my heart for them. Um, But what I just, I want to be a fly on the wall when the decisions were made to say, you know what, even though 2020 has been crazy, we're not pushing it again. We're like the decision to say, so, like Sony will give you refunds. Like, did they have a conversation? They must have known that that was out of their hands. Like, they must have no like, had insight into these things. Or yeah. if they don't, like, I'm shocked at sort of that that level of possible ignorance that could result in like bad press after bad press after bad press. It's like, man, they keep tripping over themselves, and it's it's wild and unfortunate to see. So yeah,
0: one of the things that you 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 brought up there is this uh, this notion that you know it's it's not just the it's not the actual individual developers right mm-hmm. and it's it's hard to separate and lay blame if blame is to be laid at anyone's feet because even the PR team I'm sure. They're scrambling to figure out what this what's going on. There's there's uh press releases being issued. I'm sure not by the PR team, by yeah. by the developers themselves, or you know by the publisher who somebody that seems to not have been vetted by any by the any of the PR team. Uh, there's all of this craziness of uh, announcing something that one hand doesn't seem to know what the other hand is doing. It's just like they kept digging the hole deeper for themselves, and you know it's been said it's been pointed out by others and i will reiterate here cyberpunk 2077 is not the only broken game on the playstation store Mm. right there are plenty of games still for sale on the playstation store that are broken you know that that you can buy and have massive bugs and problems and you know things that that should be fixed before they're put on sale. So it's not like Cyberpunk 2077 is some unique case. It is, as you said, the loudest of the cases and the marquee case. So of course it gets the most attention, but it is getting special treatment here. It's not like Sony pulls down any game that has bugs or glitches or is broken because there's plenty of other examples you can point to of games that have massive problems and they're not issuing refunds for. Yeah. You know what? So you like, Go ahead.
3: Sorry, thinking about it, like and what like this could mean for the industry, I don't think this will be the case, but my hope would be that the industry looks at this and looks at how loud and how terrible this experience is, and that in the future, maybe pushing games or maybe not announcing them way too early or like whatever the situation is, it's more normal to push things. And say we'll get it to you when it's ready is not going to be like oh come on they'll be like well we don't want another cyberpunk and like maybe yeah. cyberpunk is taking that bullet for the industry but I I think that the industry could be possibly a better place for it in the long term if people learn yeah. from that I don't I'm not fully convinced that that will be the case but that would be like the possible repercussions of the industry or you'll just get a bunch of sassy people being like. We we're gonna come out and we're not gonna push it, unlike other games that have done that in the past. Wink. Like there's right. like a chance that they could also be the butt end of this. But hopefully the industry going forward will be more okay with not making their employees publicly like, like crunch and then be under this public eye while they're trying to finish a game by basically, in my opinion, arbitrary deadline that's set by some financial person, I'm sure. And I mean, that's not to say that that's not an important thing. Obviously it is, but man, it can't be, it can't be worse than this.
0: There's certainly going to be some very interesting book or article written about this process in a mm-hmm. in a few years that is going to shed some light on it. Cause there's a, there's a whole lot we don't know. And we're speaking from a, a place of ignorance in a, in a large sense, but Christian, I'm wondering if, you know, I know that it's the holiday season. And a lot of people are already on break, but I don't know if you're able to get a hold of Mark from marketing on this one, because I feel like Mark might be able to shed some real insight on uh, some of the, some baffling moves that were made by CD Projekt Red in the last week.
2: Okay. (laughs) Okay. Hey, Jeff, can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Oh, Mark, Mark, you're you're here. here. Wow. This is amazing. Thank you.
0: It's been a while since you've been on Mark.
2: Yeah, I don't know, uh, <laughs> Canu Revs is awesome. I don't know if you've watched his other movies, but like Johnny Candlestick is incredible and I love it so much. And, oh man, every ad ends with an Xbox logo. So, ha, this game's coming out. We launched that console in June. It was a huge, huge, huge hit for us. Those controllers, baby, they sold out so, so good. And then this movie star, like I mentioned, oh my goodness, Bill and Ted love them. And we got the blonde haired kid to be in this game. I don't know if you know that, but he's in the game and we paid him a whole lot of money. So, um, ooh, it's a good one. You know what I mean? Bonuses, baby. <laughs> I feel, Mark, I feel like
0: you're you're not really addressing the issue at hand here. I mean, I, I'm excited about Cyberpunk. I think we've all been excited about Cyberpunk. Keanu, definitely a very big part of the game. And, you know, I think everybody was really excited about it. I think that's kind of the problem is how excited we all were. And then, you know, I feel like the there was some strange messaging that happened after the game came out and wasn't so great on on Xbox One and PlayStation 4.
2: Yeah, that is a great question. There was a strange messaging, but what I want to talk about today is the game, right? Cuz it is Cyberpunk 2077, which is different than Cyberpunk 2020, which is where we are now. So I want you to focus on 2077 where uh this game is incredible. You know, it is so good in 2077 which is the name of the game i don't know if you know that but it's cyberpunk 2077 so talking about it today in 2020 it really seems like a mistake but you make a lot of those on this show so i'll just let that one slide you know what i mean
0: mark from marketing ladies and gentlemen thanks for all your insights uh you've really cleared cleared it all up for us so thanks mark Holy, Uh, Holy. (laughs) i like how he narrates his own life now also he narrate he does his own stage directions that's amazing,
3: and I'm getting flashbacks <laughs> to my PR training. Excellent blocking and bridging. Excellent, Mark uh,
0: Christian. Uh, I'm. Uh, I appreciate you making the making the contact to Mark, but I don't feel like he really, uh, really helped out. Do you have any other insight that maybe you can shed for us?
2: Woo! Yeah. Um. No. Uh. I mean, I I don't know if this was a case of the loudest voices, um, and that is kind of what brought upon Sony's, um changed stance uh, as much as it was maybe and maybe cd project red was reacting to those loud voices but if my timeline's correct uh i think cd project red announced return it and <laughs> yeah it, and it kind of simulates- seemingly
3: they'll
0: take it back
2: we don't know shrug emoji yeah
3: <laughs> i, I want to I clarify quickly i didn't mean that it was the case of the loudest voices i mean this case is loud
2: the yes. voice of this is loud. Yes. Right. Got it. Got it. That, yes. Okay. Unignorable, I think. Yes. 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 Yeah. And I mean, I I don't know. I mean, uh, Blake, uh, Jay Harris, we've tweeted some. I'm trying to have this be his next book. I know he's busy, but this is the book <laughs> I want him to write. Friend of the show. Friend, Friend of the, of the show. show. Friend of the show. A uh, great CBS all-access documentary version of his great book, Console Wars. Um. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what what happened, but it is fascinating. But this game, at some point, was tied to last gen consoles, you know, very early on with the Xbox. Well, I mean, if, if it had come out in
0: June, that's the only thing it would have been out on console wise, right? Because oh, it wouldn't have gosh. been next gen consoles.
2: Yes, exactly. And then you're sitting in the position. Uh, you know, of what state the game was in then or where they thought they could get it to. And and then, you know, how big of an impact did COVID have? You know, there's all of these things that I think combine to create a very unusual storm. And then there's the stuff that is outside of how well it runs on on last gen consoles. There's the, the reports now, and I think the tweets confirming it from CD Projekt Red, like, Hey, you better not have too big of an inventory on PC or your save will corrupt and you can't get it back. And it's like, wait, what? Don't collect the things to craft the things with?
0: Uh, yeah, over 8 megabytes evidently saves uh, corrupt right oh, now. So And then the stuff yeah.
2: that, you know, I was kind of referencing or riffing on in the beginning were like, you shoot a pe- shoot at pedestrians, turn around, come back, they're gone, cars disappearing. Like that kind of stuff You know, is it a design or a workaround for a limitation to make it feel like a world, but this out of the other, they couldn't do the things they wanted it to do, or just kind of feature creep? And then I'm curious too, like, had this game come out in June, as it is, let's say, you know, there's a world in which the game, as it stands today on PS4 and Xbox One, was able to come out in June, would people be more forgiving of it, but for there are people currently playing it on 3080s and 3090s? Like, is this Hmm. fallout three on the playstation three if i think that's the correct fallout uh where it's like yeah not not great right in terms of like technical prowess but a lot of people put hundreds of hours into it and had a lot of fun with it is this an example of we were advertised a version of the game on a very high-end pc and what we got from most people because most people want 3080s, don't have them. <laughs> you, yeah. You know?
0: yeah, the vast majority of people, I think, of those 8 million pre-orders are on, you know, the, yes. what is now last gen. Yes, the and there's
2: no yeah. current gen version. And so I think that, to me, is the biggest, you know, mark from marketing mistake, is that they they held the current, the, whatever, it's weird, last gen version of the game close to their chest. They didn't show it off. When they did show off versions of the game running on Series X and PS5, it was in back compat mode, but it's also very limited vertical slices of the game. And they were advertising I mean, yeah. this high-end PC version that wasn't achievable by most people.
0: Yeah, I think that's where it escalated into the anger that you're seeing from people. Is this this perfect storm? Well, a perfect storm is wrong because that seems like it's outside of their control. This this confluence of several things happening, one of which is the game doesn't do, do, doesn't run well on the last-gen systems. And alongside that, the game getting nines and tens from reviewers who were not given that code or hadn't even asked access to that code, though they wanted it. They wanted to be able to cover it. There's a, a lot of the reviewers who were talking about the game pre-release specifically mentioned in their reviews, hey, we weren't allowed to see the game on Xbox One and PlayStation 4. You should know that. So it's not like it, the reviewers were hiding it, but clearly there was there seemed to have been some foreknowledge on CD Projekt Red's part that the game should not be seen on those systems br- prior to launch. So there seemed to be some malfeasance here. You know, there seemed to be some intent to... Hide that.
2: Well, and then the I, ads, the ads literally end with an Xbox logo. You know, like that's the other yeah. part of it. It wasn't like Keanu walked out and smiled and winked at the camera and then said, "Look at this ray tracing," you know, like yeah. thirty eighty, thirty ninety, and I'd be like, "Yeah, that's incredible." It ends, and then the boom, Xbox shows up, and there's a difference too with like Witcher Three on Switch. I love it. It looks like there's Vaseline on my screen. I knew what I was getting. I uh played Wolfenstein on Switch, Mortal Kombat 11 on Switch, and they held that version close to the chest until close to release, but they showed it. You know, and I was very eyes wide open going into it. And in this case, it just it didn't look like that. It looked like they were marketing bullshots, right? Like the equivalent of yeah. the Killzone 2 trailer, but it was actual gameplay just on a rig most people don't have. Yeah.
3: That's something that honestly didn't even sink in for me until you said it just now, Jeff. Was every time I've been, I've been like really heads down in a bunch of other stuff, and it'd be like, oh, it's not running well on PS4 and Xbox One, and it didn't really sink into me that this game was supposed to be released for those consoles, and it happened to get pushed into the next gen. I just, I can't even imagine what the launch would have been like. It's crazy to me that it doesn't run on those things. what it was supposed to be
0: for well i mean uh, i should say that you know cd project red on at the time of their final delay their messaging around that the the press release they put out at that time when they said hey we're pushing to december 10th was at some point in our development cycle this became a next gen game Uh, so they literally said you know we are, we're having a hard time getting this game ready on current gen systems. At some point along the lines, this became a next gen game, and that's why we're delaying till December tenth.
2: But that was the November delay, not
0: the June delay.
3: Yeah, the June. delay.
0: Right? No, you're right. You're right. But I, you know, also I'm I have a feeling that there was a lot of reasons that they were delaying from the June delay, but that's probably a big one of them. You know, um,
3: man, there's it's so many crazy. Like the more I think about it, the more I'm like. This is wild, and then like the bugs that I hear about, we can probably talk about it in your playlist. I haven't played it, but like my partner found a bug that if you're on a walking on a thin surface, it thinks you're falling, and so it speeds you up
0: like oh, wow. crazy.
3: You can rocket yourself off of things like. <laughs> Speedrunners not- are
0: going to have a blast with oh, this my game.
3: Gosh.
0: Um, th- there are there are a lot of different facets to this story, and uh, one of the reasons it's so fascinating. And one of this one of the sides is CD Projekt Red, and and I and I want to continue talking about their culpability in this, and and what what they you know what th- their thinking was, and what they should have done or should not have done. I find that all fascinating, especially from your perspective, Lana, because you are you know on the development side. Mm-hmm. But I'm also curious about what we all think from Sony's perspective and and later Microsoft, because. Like I said, there are a lot of games that are broken on these stores. And ultimately, gamers have very few options to return something when it's broken. Uh, that, is, that has been something that has we haven't had for, you know, decades. Uh, when I was a kid, you could just go back to Babbage's or Electronics Boutique and say, eh, I don't, I don't, this doesn't work, and they take it back like any other product. And then at a certain point, piracy got so bad that these companies went, oh, no, people are just copying the thing and returning it to us. Mm. So we can't do this anymore. Right. So we lost our our pretty things. But then it switched over from bad, bad pirates to uh, kind of bad, bad developers who would release a broken thing. And I think more and more, you know, when I was a kid, fewer products, fewer software products uh, were released broken because there was no way to patch them. You didn't have an internet to, <laughs> to patch things. You put the, a disc in your console, or a, in, at that time, a cartridge in your console. That was the game you got. You had no. There was no. <laughs> there was no change in it. So they had to make sure the game wasn't broken. Uh, so at a certain point, game development became this sort of evolving state where, oh, we can patch it, oh, we can, you know, day one patches are now just du rigueur, you know, they're just expected. Mm -hmm. And I'd love your perspective on that, Lana, because, you know, is that a problem? I mean, obviously the way game development is now, it's it's a very complex beast, it's very expensive. Uh, Games are being worked on up until the second they're shipped and beyond. Mm -hmm. Um, So what do you think, should the game industry sort of, change as a result of this?
3: Uh, I think that, yes, but so sort of a couple answers. I think the game industry should change in a lot of ways, just fundamentally. (laughs) But when it comes to the day one patch, I mean, for me, maybe I'm like getting a little too artistic thespian emotions on it. But, you know, games are to a degree a a piece of art. And I feel like a hundred percent bug free game. Man, you never know what like like going from even whatever playtesters you have, whatever wonderful QA to potentially millions of people playing something. Somebody's going to find something that the hundred or thousand people, like testers or whatever, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna find something. So right. for me, the day one patch is like you're you're gonna find other bugs, and if you have the opportunity to fix those bugs, like wouldn't you want those fixed? Like I feel like the day one patch is something that I am like, it's a meme, whatever. I'm here for it. Like let those bugs be fixed, but it should be bugs and it should be urgent bugs because standing in the way of players playing your game in any way is, is I think, a, a challenging thing. The thing that gets me about CD Projekt Red is, correct me if I'm wrong, aren't they independent?
0: Yes. Technically, uh, CD Projekt is the publisher and CD Project Red is the developer, but I think they're basically one entity yeah. at this point. And so that's um,
3: the thing that gets me. Because like, I understand when you have, like, if if Sony was like, it was a Sony studio. And so you have Sony Global being like, yo, your release date is this date. This is your window, hit it. Like, that's different when you have Big Brother looking over your shoulder saying, you got to get this done. When you yeah. have, you know, in Activision, an EA, like these big parent companies that are run by the people who keep things, can they keep the lights on, you know, but they're not doing the art. I get it when you like are trying to be urgent. But if you are your own publisher, unless there's like some crazy financial, like you are running out of money, I cannot imagine why, knowing the game that it was in the state, willingly saying no media you cannot play this version of the game like just push it you're the only one you are in charge of your destiny in that way and like release of a game this is not the release of you know the COVID vaccine this is an arbitrary date that you have selected for yourselves and i feel like you have the agency to make it a better experience for your developers and for your for your players this is
0: well obviously you know we have no insight into how any of those decisions were made, yeah. right? We don't know any of the real reasons. Um, so it, it it would just be speculation. Uh,
3: Super speculation.
0: It, yeah, but yeah. I I mean, I understand where you're coming from on that. And it does seem silly. I, who knows what kind of pressure they felt, you know, they, I mean, the game had become a bit of a joke as far as, you know, uh, constant delays. And maybe there was some sort of got to get it out before the holidays mandate. Mm-hmm. Who Who knows? I mean, I assume I mean, they do have shareholders and uh, their stock price plummeted in the last few days uh, as a result of Sony pulling the game. Uh, so, you know, they may have they may have shareholders, too, that they're on a board. Who, who knows? I, I don't know how all that works for this particular company, so I won't speculate. But it you, I, I think you're right in that it seems baffling. It seems clear that they knew there were problems and they went ahead anyway, which it turned out to be the wrong choice uh christian i'm wondering if you can think of any example of a of a bigger 180 for you know consumer confidence i feel like cd project red had so much goodwill capital that they have squandered i feel like they were i mean the reason that cyberpunk 2077 was so anticipated is in large part to how people felt about CG Project Red as a developer, that they were this, this uh, touchstone, this this paragon of doing right by the players, doing right by their customers, no DRM, you know, GOG, all that stuff, and constantly updating The Witcher 3 and improving the product, improving the product. Uh, and, and it felt like that's one of the reasons people were so confident, and certainly I was, I think if you would ask me to predict all the possible outcomes of a cyberpunk 2077 launch, I would have predicted a heck of a lot of things before I got to the kind of hid bad things and everybody got angry at them. I I would never have (laughs) predicted that one. You know, talking about predictions, that would have been a cool ranch prediction for sure. Uh, So what do you, what do you make of sort of their standing? Do you think Anybody remembers this in six months, a year? Do you think that, you know, the game is, there's a heck of a lot of games that ship broken. And then later on, people are like, Oh, one of the things that's so funny to me is how, (laughs) is how so many people online I've seen are like, Wow, this certainly makes rockstar seem like gods. Right. Because GTA five is so, it's like, no, do you not remember GTA five's launch? It was terrible they had all kinds of problems with gta 5's launch but nobody
3: does
0: yes nobody remembers you know people have short attention spans Mm -hmm. uh so christian do you think they weather this or do you think they get some long-term
2: fallout from it (sighs) column a column b i think i think how they handle this game will determine that um and going back to the prior point i think In my speculation hat, I imagine some of it was because of marketing deals they had with Microsoft and some of those pieces that were in play. I mean, there were buses driving around with the November date on them with Keanu's face on it. You know, like that's hard when you have all of that out. Do not blame Keanu on this. Do not throw (laughs) Keanu under the bus. He was on the bus, not under it. He was on the bus. He was on the bus. Got it. but you know, there are millions of dollars at play. And when there. he's on the bus, it does not drop below 55 miles an <laughs> oh hour. <my> God. <laughs> <laughs> Wanna play a game? Are you on a, a last gen console? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I think it depends on how they weather this uh, and, and what they do, you know, to make it right. I think that this, hey, we'll refund you. You know, email us personally at poor email intern at cdprojectred uh, at gmail.com also known as uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. <laughs> Attention, Jeff. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I think I think we'll determine how people look back at this. Um, it, it, there are other, I think, companies that have had things like this, but they seem bigger. Um, too recent are, you mentioned, um, the fallout from this. I mean, Bethesda and Fallout 76... Yeah, it, it absolutely, wasn't. and the um, physical goods that went along with it—you know, like the, mm-hmm. the the Ziploc bag, <laughs> duffel bag—they sent people, um, and and stuff like that—that that was just a disaster. And that game continued to get better. And there's a a, a legion of people out there that really defend it now, and what it's become—Massive uh, Mass Effect, um, Bioware, and Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem—you know—certainly are yeah. are big stains on that uh, pedigree for a lot of people, but. Uh, BioWare is part of EA and th- it's like this big team. So I think it's, Oh, this is from the other team. This is this, this is this team or Assassin's Creed unity with like floating eyeballs uh, or whatever it was. Yeah. But that's a,
0: a th- final fantasy 14. Yes. But it's How like, beloved, beloved by people.
2: But those, are I think a lot of those are even square are like perceived as bigger studios that have a bunch of other games. Whereas right now for a lot of people, CD project red has the Witcher three. And Cyberpunk. And yes, I know there's Witcher 1 and Witcher 2, but for a lot of people, they have the Witcher 3 yeah. and Cyberpunk. So what comes next is a is a big deal, and how well they patch and optimize uh 2077 going forward is going to impact a lot of people. Because you mentioned GTA 5 and it was a rough launch. But they they got it together in a very big way and continued to improve on it and for Rockstar, if I remember correctly, were very vocal about what they were doing as they started doing things. So, I
0: mean, there's no universe where Cyberpunk 2077 isn't a solid experience, maybe not on current gen. I don't know. I don't know how that works out, but there's no universe where that's not a solid experience in, you know, 2022, right? Like, they're, 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 I don't know, working on that game. They're, they're going to keep working on that game, and there's going to be, you know, new missions and DLC and stuff released, and it's probably all going to be free to make up, you know, as a show of goodwill. I mean, this this could be No Man's Sky, right? Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Yeah, that's a great example.
3: (laughs) I also think that there's enough people out there who just love Cyberpunk thematically, like not Cyberpunk 2077, but Cyberpunk as a genre Genre. thing that will have a great experience, even if it's buggy, even if they're losing anything, they're like, oh, but look how awesome I look. Look at this cool city. Like, I think there's enough there. I do want to, I want to reiterate uh, by caveat from earlier, I will wish no ill will towards City Project Red. I have sure. no idea what decisions went into it. It's hard right. for me. Maybe it is just because I'm like so naive and I don't see like, you know, I'm a developer. I don't see business end of de- development. Um, but because I'm not a businesswoman, I don't get the choices. You're of an artiste. You're and an artiste.
0: You are to be protected and your talent is to be, <laughs> nourished and you be your food all pre-chewed and then uh, d- just dropped in your mouth
3: that's my hell i switched i switched roles so that i could do game dev and not just art but <laughs> it's uh yeah i um i do see a world where they like 2022 it's a bumping night city great time good times only um yeah
0: i mean it could definitely be one of those things where we're all like do you remember do you remember how crazy that launch was I, I feel like that, like we do with No Man's Sky and other games, where it's like, do you remember how angry people were at No Man's Sky? I,
2: I think what might uh, be the thing that pulls people back if they do it right is is the multiplayer component of of this game. Because while yeah. I agree, a lot of people are really enjoying it, and I'm I'm enjoying it. I am playing on a, a high end PC, but I also think the game itself, and you have talked about this a little bit, Jeff, isn't necessarily what people were expecting. It is, yeah.
0: That's, that's more my issue. Is not even the bugs because I am also playing a high end PC and I haven't, I haven't run into anything that's broken the game particularly. Although I haven't gotten an eight megabyte save yet, so who knows? But, um, but, but yeah, it's, it's just an the action romp that I have an issue with. Yeah,
2: yeah. It is. It is a forty hour, you know, bullets blazing action romp, and not necessarily this sprawling open ended RPG that people were expecting. They I forget exactly what it was, but like even the Twitter profile for the game changed from like something, something RPG to like action adventure something or whatever. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, if they add more expansions and things like that, then maybe that will open up. But I think much like Grand Theft Auto, it's GTA Online. So if there is a cyberpunk online and that hits and is, is great, then people will be talking about that and the campaign will be this 40 hour campaign that's great and fun and patched and works well now, but it is what it is. But people are really playing Call of Duty multiplayer. You know, I think it could have that uh, impact going forward.
0: Lana, we'll end on this for this story. Uh, Do you think this was the right decision by Sony to pull, pull the game? And do you think, if so, do you think they should do it more often for other games?
3: Great question. You know, yeah, I think so. I think just by, I haven't, I haven't played the game, but like the amount of dissatisfaction that could potentially keep coming in, whether it's people constantly asking for refunds or I don't know, what's it called when they're like stat bombing things? Like
1: yeah, you can get like
3: bombing, a hoard yeah. of, the horde of the internet coming and yeah. destroying your stuff in some digital way or another. I think pulling it, Like, is a sign. And maybe that sign is, you know, like CD Project Red, let it bake some more. Get that thing Mm -hmm. back in the oven. We'll put it up when it's ready. And then I think it could be a big moment whenever it comes back onto the store. You know, it it adds that chance for a second chance rather than just like a tweet where they're like, try it now, question mark. It'll be like a symbol. It's back in the store, baby. And then there'll be another moment. So I do think it is a... Dramatic call, but I think the right one ultimately.
0: I wonder, I would love to see, we'll never know, but I'd love to see how many people actually ask for refunds. I would, I would guess that it's a relatively small number. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people make a lot of stink and oftentimes don't actually want the refund. They, I could be wrong. There could be a, a bunch of people who actually do uh, get their money back, but I suspect that it's of that 8 million pre orders. I would, I would guess that it's a pretty small percentage, but. Mm-hmm. Uh it is an unprecedented move as far as I know and uh I think it hints at uh something that you know hopefully will change. I think Lana you were talking about you know maybe we could learn from this and th- it'll be this 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 canary in a coal mine or this with this warning shot across the bow and say hey developers let's not let this happen again. Mm-hmm. Um who knows? Who knows? It'll be interesting to see over the next uh next year or so. Moving on, Uh, I do want to thank our first sponsor, which is Squarespace. Oh, you've heard me talk about Squarespace because I love it and I've been using it for like 15 years. It's crazy. Uh, Probably not that long, but close. Maybe a dozen years. Long time. JeffCanada.com was built on Squarespace and it really is just the easiest tool set, the most convenient way to build your own website. You don't need to pay somebody an exorbitant fee to design your website for you. You don't even need to learn HTML or you know, <laughs> take any online classes. Just do it the easy way. Mess around until you like it. And <laughs> it's so simple with Squarespace's tools. You can turn your cool idea into a new website. Any idea, any any blog or, or even a store, if you need to make a store, it's easy. You can publish content. You can sell products. It's so simple with Squarespace's tool set. What you do is you start with a beautiful template that was made by professional designers. And then you just start... Messing with it. You move stuff around, drag and drop, add things, drop in e commerce functionality if that's what you need. It's so simple. You can do it yourself. They also offer free and secure hosting. They have built in search engine optimization. Everything works for mobile right out of the box. You don't even have to patch or do anything behind the scenes. It's all handled for you. You don't have to upgrade anything. It's all done for you. You just get to be creative and make your site look how you want. They handle all of the nitty gritty. It's wonderful. I really, really do like it. And I off- I always tell my friends and family anytime they need a website, squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. That's the place to go. So you should check it out too. Make it yourself. Head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me for a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, you can use our promo code, which is Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word, Save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. They have domains from over 200 extensions. So you can get the the name of your website that you want. Again, squarespace.com slash Jeff Sent Me and that promo code Jeff Sent Me at checkout to save yourself 10%
2: off. All right, Christian, what is your story of the week? Two last quick points on uh, generalizing around cyberpunk. One, I know we talk about being excited for games, but don't pre-order games. Two, I yeah. wish that everything had like the Steam return policy. It's not the it's not mm-hmm. the perfect solution, but you know, under two hours, return it. it exceptions, caveats, whatever. But it's nice. We got to get to something with digital purchasing that allows for that. Um, yeah. That said, my story of the week is Stadia is on iOS. I'm so happy. Speaking of uh, cyberpunk, Stadia is a great way to play it. Um, so is GeForce Now. Yeah. You can just play the PC version through the cloud. Um, and after a year, I think it was really close to their year anniversary, Stadia announced and launched in beta on iOS. And um, you just go to stadia.com on your iOS device log in and you're up and running. If you then add it to your home screen, it will work. I forget there's a name for that when you do it to like a website, but then it will launch and be full screen and you want a have link it. A what? <laughs> a link. Yeah. But there's like a type of thing for what it's not an app, but like how Apple allows you to have a website be on your home screen. And then when you launch it, you don't have like the URL bar on the top of your screen anymore and stuff like that. It's just, it looks like, a native app but i'm sure it runs yeah which different.
0: is ridiculous just let them do an app but all these ridiculous workarounds it just it's just jumping through hoops for apple but anyway yeah I, I do think you get you eventually get to a place where it's relatively elegant but so inelegant on the way there
3: this just yeah. because google also has a phone and they're like uh we get that people want to search with you but you ain't playing games baby
0: I I mean, yeah, Apple, uh, for some reason, decided to draw a line in the sand and say, hey, if you're offering a service where you can play games, we we need to check every single game on it, which is untenable for these services. (laughs) And and ultimately, it seems to me that it was a power play for the uh, uh, Apple Arcade. Right. It was like Mm -hmm. we have Apple Arcade. We don't want to have everybody, anybody else's arcade, you
2: know? Well, I don't know. They also have Apple TV. I mean, we just got finished talking about CD Pride, uh, Cyberpunk not being great. So, uh, yeah, I don't know how Apple could review every game. I think it's they want revenue for their thing. And this is a much longer um, conversation, potentially, that I would love to dive into at, at, on some other episode. Um, as someone who has just resubbed to Apple Arcade, there are some great games there, but it is a mess. Like, I can't see all of the ones I have downloaded conveniently anywhere. Yes. I, it's, yeah, the fact that you download a bunch of icons, like that's so well, inelegant for a company that is all about elegance. And on iOS 14, yeah. you don't even, they don't even show up on your home screen now, right? It's like over on the more apps thing. Then you Just can like, add them to your home <laughs> screen, but then you do it one at a time. It's a mess.
0: Yeah, um, Steve jobs would be murdering people.
2: I know
3: you guys both love Apple, but I had to deal with some Apple stuff recently and I'm so happy. I'm out of that ecosystem really gosh oh my gosh pixel i have
0: i have a love hate i have a definite love hate because but i'm just so pot committed at this point like i can't pull myself out i am just too too deep
3: yeah and even when you try and get out i had to try and reset my apple id to make an appointment to get my laptop fixed and they were said you have to log in with your apple id on your device and i'm like i don't have a device
0: yeah that's the
2: point that's why Uh i'm making the appointment with you yeah yeah but how much did your headphones cost (laughs)
3: <laughs> i got them from work thanks right
1: i just anyway. wear
2: six hundred dollars on my head so yeah just stapled there <laughs> yeah Sorry, i love apple arcade it. but yes i do not like it's so hard to find things after i have them um this is about stadia it's on ios and it works with uh my backbone controller which is fantastic which for some reason luna doesn't um which is amazon's and it bothers me but you know it runs it runs great. Again, speaking of uh, cyberpunk, the Stadia version is fantastic. I've been playing Immortals: Phoenix Rising on it, as my Ubisoft Plus subscription carries over to that as well. And just to look at all of these games that I have available to just jump in and play, it's such a great service if you have the internet to to support it. And you know their game library needs to be more robust, but I think Stadia now a year into its launch, and we'll see how it updates itself in terms of graphical fidelity um, as this next gen starts to hit its stride. But I think Stadia now with its messaging about no downloads, no updates, tap and play, they have games that are completely free. You can just play Destiny. You can just um, play Bomberman. It's just completely free. And I think more people getting in and experiencing it is a great way to sell the service and to sell the idea of it And I think it's at a really, really good place now. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Just play Bomberman. Just
0: play Bomberman. Just play it. Go play it. play Bomberman. Um, I legitimately think that Ubisoft Ubisoft has it figured out. Like, that's the way to do this. That's the way to leverage Stadia is give us your 15 bucks, play our games anywhere you want, your saves carry over. Dude, Everybody needs to be doing that. I don't want to be paying $15 a month to every publisher granted, (laughs) but I do love, I love like the, the Stadia business model still baffling to me that I have to buy the game on that platform in order to play it on Stadia. But that's what's so brilliant about what Ubisoft is doing is they've worked around that problem and went, no, you don't play what you you buy this version. Now, if we can get the Ubisoft connect thing onto all the consoles. And so it's one, I, I mean, I'm in, I've, christian you're the one that sort of got me to pony up my 1599 or whatever it is to uh to join ubisoft connect you're like just do it for a month it's been cheaper than buying the game and i i suspect i'm just gonna stick with it because i just love the the spirit of what they're doing so much and i i feel like i'm gonna stick around through far cry and who knows what's next. And and now I've got these games that I really, really like that are on this service and I'm not going to want to go back to just having a a la carte on one system only version of anything.
2: It is it is really nice. There is one buyer beware for uh, Ubisoft. So just to be clear, Ubisoft Connect is the cross save, which is different. It does not require the subscription that right. works with various games that Ubisoft games, not all of them, not their entire back catalog, but their newer games. And then there's Ubisoft Plus, which used to be called you Play Plus, which is their subscription service on PC and now a channel on Luna and on Stadia as well. Um and the 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 buyer beware is that the version of the game you get on Ubisoft Plus is like the gold edition or premiere edition. And there's often weird uh little save uh inconsistencies where like, let's say I'm playing uh like right now Immortals Phoenix Rising, the gold edition, I think. And then let's say I let my, I beat the campaign and then I let my uh, subscription lapse. Then I see it on sale for 15 bucks next black Friday or whatever. I'm like, you know what? I like that game. So I buy the base version of immortals to go clear the map or something like that. There's a chance. And then the past, a good chance that my save won't work because that save is for the gold edition, which has like this trinket that I never used and it won't work on the base game. That's happened to me in the past. It is, very frustrating to be like, I don't want to pay $50 for the gold for my save. Excuse me. But that is like the one kind of, you know, kink in the system. But otherwise, I agree, Jeff, it is wonderful. It is flawless to be able to bounce back. I'm playing on my phone as I'm just kind of running around the open world and going getting some Ambrosia and Immortals and just doing these little smaller missions. And I'm at my PC right where my save is doing, you know, the bigger dungeons. And it's so wonderful. Again, I don't know that it's, sorry, uh, I'm getting excited. My throat's closing up. It's called a beta on both Luna and Stadia. So I don't know where this goes, like how Stadia is getting money, (laughs) you know, from Ubisoft plus being on it, or if it's kind of the Trojan horse and you're like, oh, I guess I will buy Cyberpunk. This system works great, but.
0: Oh, you you feel like it might be a temporary
2: situation? I mean, I don't know. Luna has said that Amazon, like they have channels. It's kind of like, you can have your Showtime, your HBO, like your base is $5.99 a month and you get these games and you can add these other channels and you know maybe yeah. there's some profit sharing deal there. But it's it's really compelling and I, and I have to agree with what Ubisoft is doing right now. And if they're able to maintain the steady release of games, it is a subscription that you kind of just keep going. And then you look back on a year later and you're like, I probably should have just bought those two games. I really yeah. like.
0: I know That's it's going to happen to me. I know it's, but it the
2: is. Convenience I know it is. Of the, of the, of the subscription is really, really nice. And what they're doing with it is, is great. And it's fantastic on stadia. It's fantastic just to log in and, and see this library of games and be like, you know what? I will jump back into, um, wild lands. Cause I can, yeah. and it's looking at me yeah. and there's no load. There's no download. It's all of those things of the promise of yeah. the cloud that, are great, Lana. Are you into this idea?
0: I mean, you're not a you're not an Apple person, so this news is not super awesome for you. But it's been on um, Android
2: for months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've
0: been working on Android well for for months. But I'm
3: definitely into the idea of it. I think that it's especially recently I've been playing a ton of games and hitting that cap and being like, okay, what am I uninstalling? Blah, like that feels bad so this idea of just being able to log in and start playing and like all of the data is held somewhere else is is like really great one thing i was actually surprised by i don't pay that much attention to it because i'm not planning on uh you know really diving that deep in this right now at least is you mentioned that you're playing with it like on your other different controllers i thought you had to use the stadia controller to use stadia
2: you do not so both stadia and luna they sell their own controller that you know, it goes straight to the cloud. So it's supposed to be faster, you know, reduce even... Well, that doesn't even do that yet, right? No, it does. The Stadia, it does. Oh, I thought that was a, yeah, it, a
0: coming come later. It,
2: it did. It didn't come at launch and it came, you know, maybe four months ago or whatever. And you can pair it with your device and with your iPhone now and, uh, and same with the Luna controller. But like at your PC, you can use pretty much any controller and on your device. Like when I had, I have a Pixel 2 that I was using for this stuff before it came to iOS... And I had the MOBA, I think the PowerA MOBA clip, and I was using an Xbox One controller, and now I'm using my Backbone One on my iPhone. so you can pair it with other controllers. They just say it might be, you know, there might be a little bit more latency because it's not going directly to our servers. Um, Interesting.
3: I think the one thing that really interests me about Stadia and this potential next gen is I think it makes a console like the Xbox Series S, the little one.
1: Yeah, well
3: yes. Like very viable. Because I think that was one of the thing that things that I've heard the most complaints about. Complaints is a strong word. But being like, oh, it's so petite, but it really is petite. I have to like uninstall games more frequently than I thought I would and like not having an external drive or whatever. And so this idea that you could have your Xbox petite. And- yeah,
0: well, I mean, <laughs> the promise of Stadia is don't have a box at all, right? There's no box. It's just whatever you already have you you have a chromebook use that you have you you got a a, a desktop computer use that you got a phone use that you got a tablet use that that's that's the promise of stadia that they've never articulated particularly well but it is pretty pretty exciting is hey you know how people are all worried about getting that 500 hundred dollar playstation 5 that no one can get in stores you don't need one at all at all there's The the whole idea is Stadia works with what you've already got.
3: Uh, This whole time I've been like, oh, it's so that I can go easily between my PC and my um, consoles and my phone. That's the phone is the one that always struck me, but I didn't really realize that it was like, oh, you have a Tamagotchi. It's on there too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's why they need to hire Christian and me to be their PR because (laughs) they clearly did not message this effectively, but that's the messaging is like, Instant on whatever you've already got. You want to play the best games at the highest settings. You already have something that works. Whatever it is you have, it will work with Stadia. That's that's what they should be saying from the mountaintops. Is you you don't need to stand in line to buy that PlayStation Five. You know that, that's what what they should be shouting is we've got games. They work with what you already have. You don't have to download anything. Just press one button and you're playing. Yeah. And that's some, for some reason that's just not their messaging at all.
3: I think the thing that excited me the most about it was this potential to be like, Oh, I'm sitting on my couch and having a good time. But you know, now i got to take the train somewhere or something and being able to right. really play yeah. where I'm going. And I feel like, Maybe that's the way they'd be leaning to. And then 2020 happened. They're like, oh, I guess you're on your couch anyway.
0: <laughs> well, you, your train would need to have really great internet also. So oh,
3: maybe- right. <laughs> we're just like <laughs> burning know? through my data, baby. Slow yeah. it down. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: That's where I think 5G will help. And I think the only thing that's missing right now, and maybe this will always be the case, or, or maybe it won't, but it's like there isn't a great way to bring these services to your TV yet. And that's the place where a lot of people play games. It's like, yes, there's the... One of the Chrome ultra sticks support stadia, but the the new one right. doesn't, and like some Amazon fire sticks support Luna, but I don't know if they all do, but also if I want to have Luna and Stadia, I have to have a fire stick and a Chrome dongle, and it's like well, this is where
0: we got you know Phil Spencer saying we want to have an Xbox app on every smart t v right It needs to be as ubiquitous as Roku and Netflix, you know it needs to be. On just like a base thing on a smart TV is, hey, it's also got this. You don't have to use it, but it's also got this,
2: you know. Disney Plus, Xbox, Stadia, Luna, you know, (laughs) whatever it is, it's all there.
0: That's, I mean, it's just shrewd and I think welcome plan like that is something that i would be totally down for like yeah it, sh- it should be that
1: easy yeah
2: and it's a great anyway. step that it's on ios if you haven't checked it out it's easy to recommend and just go play some you know base destiny for literally f- i mean they're tracking your data but otherwise like for <laughs> for, for, for free or check out some right, it's Man. Just, you know it's just so, all is is all it
3: like only available in europe i noticed that it says when the trial ends it costs eight pounds 99. Oh, no,
0: it's just because the website that I, oh, okay. I copied and pasted this from is <laughs> a European website. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Cool.
0: Uh, so we've gone long, justifiably so. The first story really is the story of the week. But uh, I'll, I'll say my story of the week. Uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. And that is, I, I think it's interesting that Fortnite is basically lifting among us and putting it in their game. Among us, you know, kind of the game of 2020, I think, uh, on undisputed uh it wasn't released in 2020 originally but i think it has become sort of the the game that became uh, a <laughs> a uh, I, I think a a an icon for 2020 right a, a representative of 2020 is like that whole idea of who's sus and and you know we're all staying home let's play among us and now fortnite's like well we could do that uh the game that sort of ripped off PUBG and and has has I guess ripped off is is pejorative and I don't mean it to be a pejorative. It's it's a game that uh,
3: uh, uh made its own take.
0: Yeah, is is influenced by uh, other other uh, popular games now is also that. Christian, I know you've said over and over again Fortnite is everything, right? It wants to be uh ready player one. It wants to be like all the games in one game. So here we go. Um but Lana, what do you think? What do you think uh fair game to just sort of lift another game's mode and put it in your game
3: well i mean that's also saying among us lifted its idea for the game from werewolf or sure. yes I, the I resistance
0: think, a million tabletop games a very good point very good point i yes. do
3: think that yeah that those kind of social deception games
0: yeah uh, they did not invent them yeah. very true
3: but this idea of like there's two ways to win, and it's not just trying to vote off all the imposters, werewolves, you know, insert baddie here, but yeah. the idea of, oh, you can also just complete tasks. And if your nemesis in the thing is a coward, like you're going to win, like it's another, like it's it's cool to have another avenue for victory for the people who aren't, um, whatever the, the nemesis is. Uh, I will say, I think it's interesting that they pulled that, pulled that mode. I think it is like a no brainer to try and capitalize off of among us success to get people wanting to do that, especially for people who use Fortnite to be social with their friends. I can't imagine that they might've seen some kind of dip where people are like, I want to be social, but we're doing this other social thing. Yeah. Come back to our social space. You know, we, we've, we've got it too. Uh, I did play it this week. So we'll talk about that a little later.
0: You played I, uh, the uh, spy within, within mode, yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, uh, I'll just say, Among Us, I don't think has to be worried right oh, now. Interesting, <laughs> <laughs> personally, um, but uh, yeah, I think it's a smart move, interesting yeah. uh, uh, implementation, and I think the the communities of the two might be very different.
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good good point as well. It, it, it may be servicing completely different. I mean, I'm sure there's some overlap, but I it might be um, opening that kind of play to a bunch of people that wouldn't have even noticed it
1: mm-hmm. before.
0: Um, Christian, what do you what do you think? I mean, you, you've you talked about Fortnite sort of having everything in it. You go see movies in Fortnite. You go to concerts in Fortnite. You You know, now you play other types of games in Fortnite.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I played a Battle Royale in Fortnite. It was wild. Like I played Fortnite in Fortnite. <laughs> it was so weird. I
0: mean, I <laughs> was not Fortnite when Fortnite launched, right? Fortnite Fortnite was just yeah. wave shooter. You I know,
3: say wasn't it like a almost like a tower defense kind of yeah. thing? Yeah, it was
0: like a
2: yeah, like a horde mode a, tower that defense. That would be Ford wild. Mode.
3: Let me tell tell me when you play that mode.
2: Well, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's a secret mode within the other mode. I, I, I think this represents kind of epics larger take on what it is and the Epic game store, right? Spotify is available for download in the Epic game store and it's free. And it's, it's, I think positioning itself as a wow. social space ecosystem hub of all things. Like I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going through, um, *Halt and catch fire again, just a fantastic show. If you haven't watched it, it originally on AMC, it's on Netflix now. And you know, it's about like pioneering the internet and like social spaces and, um, chat rooms and stuff like that. And it's a fictional show. Uh, but like, you know, we're, I think we're seeing that in, in Fortnite and, and to some extent that the hangout, the creative spaces, the games within a game, all the stuff. I mean, heck, Fortnite did Avengers better than Avengers did Avengers, <laughs> you know, and like Fortnite brought Master Chief to the PlayStation and Kratos to Xbox and had Batman and Wolverine. It's like, it's mind boggling what they've been. Cats and dogs point. were living together. Yes, yes. yes <laughs> I mean, Ghostbusters is coming next, right? You just confirmed it. Um, <laughs> and so it does not surprise me. And I think Jeff Weed kind of texted about this, and I'll say it out loud so we can claim credit for it when it happens. There's definitely a skunk team working on a Fall Guys it version of this, right? Like, got to be, right? There's got to be. There's got to be a Fall Guys in
0: Fortnite yes. thing happening. And there's, oh my, yeah. there's a
2: racing game happening somewhere. Like there's, there's all of these things that can exist in this wrapper they built that keeps looking fantastic. You know, every character, the Mandalorian looks great in it, like as a character model in Fortnite. Mando
3: looks amazing. So, and the gun.
2: So good. And yeah. so it does not surprise me. I think we will see more of it. And I think the point of it exposes other gamers to these modes is, is a, is a good one. And, you know, if we look back on it... <sighs> everybody's just doing halo right or GoldenEye. It, it's, it's how it happens there's iteration and yeah. epic has been very fast at it because they have all the money right now <laughs> yeah absolutely
0: all right uh i knew this would happen when we get the family together you know we <laughs> we, we, we talk long but uh i thought that was all juicy interesting stuff but let's talk about the games that we're playing in this segment we call the playlist
1: Ooh, what you
0: Lana, wow, there's so many games to be playing right now. Uh, what is has made your playlist?
3: Uh, I've been playing ton a ton of games. I only put even like a couple of the games that I've been playing lately because the tail end of this year has been... I feel like I've been making up for any of the time that I didn't play games earlier in the year when I was just sitting on my couch wishing I could see the outside world. Um, but uh, from my list... Well, I'll quickly just say I've been playing Hades. I'm not going to talk about it very much at all because- What? Christian and
0: I are not familiar with that game. I don't- What?
3: I almost was going to make that joke. <laughs> and then I thought that it was too much or too familiar <laughs> with the show. It'd like reveal how I really do just listen to this show every week.
2: No, but- I'm sorry. I lost you for a second. What was the first game you were playing? Hades. I don't know if you're messing with me. Is this a bit? He
0: is. He is messing
2: with me. Oh my gosh. So
3: man, it's so good though. It's so damn good.
0: It's It's so good. Yeah. The
3: voice acting is out of this world. That song that Eurydice sings is in my head constantly. And when Orpheus, you get back to like the main uh, hub and he's singing like the count, like not the, yeah, the harmony of the same song. I like just stood in the lobby and like sang the harmony with him. I was like, this is so beautiful. Like, I just love everything about it. The gameplay. Is-
0: the crazy thing about that game is how much the world evolves. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. it feels like the tendrils and the various, and it's all, there's all it, what happens to you is random, but the game has enough branching moments and over, it remembers all the little things you did and, When you've done this, it references that. And it's like, it boggles the mind, all of the little branches that seem to exist in just in dialogue moments and character moments in that game.
3: My friend and I have both played an unbelievable amount at this point. And there are still times when I'm like, oh man, this line was so funny when this happened. And they're like, I've never seen that yet. And it's (laughs) crazy to think that we've played hours and hours and hours and there's yeah. still content that we haven't seen. It's amazing. I just, an endless amount of praise on Hades. Whew, dang, it's good. If you haven't picked yeah. it up, you're crazy. It's amazing. So playing the hell out of that. <laughs> Am I right? Okay.
0: Um, <laughs> because it's about
3: hell. Yeah.
1: How,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> so,
3: <laughs> okay. So uh, one of the other games I played recently is called A Spirit Spiritfarer. I
0: love that game. Yes.
3: Oh my gosh. I was going to say if you haven't played it, I did think that you enjo- would enjoy it. Yeah. Um I actually beautiful. Did, I it's so beautiful, but it is not at all my type of game.
1: Oh, really? Oh, it, oh I'm it is
3: gorgeous. Like I love all the different animations. Your character does a yo-yoing animation, which if folks know me, you know I love the yo. Um and so that was like like these little moments, petting the cat, all these different interactions. Gorgeous, but almost like a – I can't believe I'm referencing a Tamagotchi more than once, but almost like a Tamagotchi on Overdrive. Where I'm like, yeah. okay, oh wow, what's your mood? Oh, you're hungry? Okay, I just fed you. I get it. That's your thing. Who's next? Oh, you're also hungry. Do you want a hug? Not yet? Okay. Oh, where's my garden? I'm like, this seems like it should be so peaceful, but I'm like, maybe it's just because I'm very – I'm a very competitively driven. And so I'm trying to like really min max this thing. Okay. I got my veggies Mm -hmm. going and like, okay, gotta go to the other garden, gotta water everything. Got some downtime. Everybody went to sleep, gonna fish for a bit. Gotta make sure I got the meals. Like a very serious, like gaming thing for me when I think it could be pretty chill. Um, Yeah. I,
0: I definitely engage with it very differently than that. I, I, I sort of appreciate that it has no demands of me. Like it, yeah, yeah. There's people who are hungry, but like, basically, the game wants me to just hang out and kind of ha- talk to people and go to places and you know, toot toot around in the water and find a thing and uh, <laughs> harvest some stuff. And I don't know. I, I I find it much much more chillaxy than that.
3: It is chillaxy, and I think that is what gets me about it. Like, I don't love Animal Crossing. I don't love gardening me games that much um and this one like the one thing that feels really compelling for me like somebody who's not inclined to play this kind of game is the art is really so beautiful yeah. like when you pick up a spirit and they like take on their true form i'm so excited to see what the next spirit looks like um yeah and for anybody who hasn't played this game the premise of it, which I found very interesting coming from Hades, is you're actually taking over the role of Charon, the boat driver, into the afterlife. So the first thing that happens in the game is that he's like, this is your turn now. Peace out. And Charon is gone. And now you are, you know, the spirit fair. You're driving the boat around and you have to help these spirits with their sort of last demands before you take them through the arch gate endless arch thing. I forget the name of it. Um, it is very peaceful, a lot of cute moments. But for me, it was, I built sort of all the things I had to build. And then I, I pulled up a trailer or something to show somebody else, the game I was playing. And it showed a picture of the boat. That was like 20 times larger than my boat. And I was like, no way, man, that's not going to happen. i just never going to get all that. I utter- just. I wish it, the experience was like a 10 hour thing and not like a 40 hour thing.
0: Yeah. It's a huge game. It really is. Yeah. And
3: I couldn't believe it. So I, it's beautiful. If you like chill games and you want to relax and hang out with some cool spirits and, you know, make recipes. I think it's great for you, yeah. for you.
0: I, I, I didn't, I've not put as much time into this game as I wanted to. I was like, I could really get into this game and then there was all these other things to play. So I have not put in as much time. So maybe it would feel uh, tense at a certain point when I was like, I just want to get to the next thing. But uh, the, the amount of time that I did put into it, I I really just was so charmed by that game. I just thought it was lovely.
3: Uh, have, you, have you played a Christian?
2: I have not. It's been one of those games where it's been sitting there looking at me, but... Also Animal Crossing is like, we just updated and I'm like, I'm already so deep into you Animal Crossing. I can never leave. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, if Animal Crossing ever lets lets you down, I would recommend this
0: one. <laughs> yeah. On Game Pass as well. It's a Spiritfarer is the name of it. It's on Game Pass. So also yeah, Game Pass. I,
3: I don't know if you know this. We found out by accident. Do you know it's co-op?
0: <laughs> I did not know that. I mean, I don't, is it online co-op? No. Oh, my, just my boyfriend also
3: named Jeff. Grabbed a controller to like plug it in, and he started controlling the cat.
0: Oh my gosh! Do, do, is it? Does the cat get to do everything that you all can the do?
3: Things that you can do, the cat can do. Wow,
0: that's amazing! It was wild. Oh, look at that,
3: and like a bunch more animations. Of course, that's the thing I'm geeking out about. I'm like, oh my gosh, you duplicated these animation sets and wow. made all these for the cat. And how many people even know you can play as the cat? It felt like <laughs> crazy. It's not in the trailer. It was wild. Um, no, I
0: did not know that.
3: Yeah. That's so funny. if you have like a roommate or a partner or somebody you, you want to play with, uh, you can play as the cat. It is very chaotic because uh, you're like <laughs> running around the boat and it gets bigger and bigger and like menus will just kind of pop up in the middle and take them away from where at whatever they're doing. Oh, wow. So I don't think it's the best experience, but it uh, it was fun and, and weird. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, Spirit Um Cool. Yeah. What else you got? Um, I guess I should talk about this. I should have talked about this first. It was Fortnite's Spy Within mode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about it, obviously, in the the news section. uh, And you said not really uh, a true competitor to Among Us?
3: I don't think so. I did forget that it was like a community creation because there's like, there's definitely sort of lacking a level of of refinement, I would say, that you might see Mm. um, probably if uh, the Epic team made it themselves. But and this is where I think maybe the community is the biggest thing. There's a couple interesting choices. One of the first choices that they made is it's first person. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Unless I think you are the imposter or the spy. So hmm. if you are, it's suddenly this first person game, which you never see, but that also means you don't have like your hands, like doing things. You don't actually see like your weapons cause you don't have any weapons really. So you're running around this Fortnite world and it feels like a a different experience. Uh, You run around and you sort of are doing tasks in the same way that you might in Among Us, but rather than actually completing tasks, you kind of walk up to them and you're setting a timer and the timer is counting down until somebody else is allowed to do that task. And when you do the task, you get a coin and you can drop the coin off at like this main coin hub. And if you get 60 coins, you, the, the team wins. And it's all Christmasy themed, like wintery. You're in a mall, like shopping, I think is like the idea behind it. Um, and so like visually, it's it's less fun, I think, to play because at least in Among Us, if even if you're not an in a, imposter, in a you're like, oh, I'm connecting these wires. Here's my job, you know, doing these silly spaceship things. Where in this one, it really does feel like everybody's kind of just running around and doing things that don't seem... Like it'll come up with cute captions, like, oh, one of them stuck to this arcade thing. So it'll be like, get highest score, but you're not actually like doing any action that is indicative of the caption that it's giving you. Hmm. Um, And so when it comes to the meeting time, it's the same sort of thing. There's like a big button in the middle. If you see a dead body, you can call a meeting. And it puts you all in this room and you have to like shoot these buttons that are at the feet of all the other competitors to vote. But nobody in any of the games I played talked. Oh, really? So I'd be on voice chat, being like, I saw blue, blue, like hammered someone in front of my eyes to death. And then nobody would.
0: Don't you have to like initiate a meeting in order to talk, actually talk?
3: Yeah, it's, it's in the meeting. So nobody would talk oh, in the meeting and okay. nobody would type. So it was just like,
1: mm-hmm.
3: I mean, there would be—it was nothing. It felt like nothing. Um, and people would just a randomly bummer. shoot, randomly vote. Yeah, it was a bummer. And so, yeah, not a lot of competition. I can imagine if you had, you know, ten of your friends the same way. If you have ten of your friends in Among Us, you probably have a better time than with yeah. strangers. But uh, well, that definitely
0: points to what you were saying before about maybe it being a group of people that haven't played Among Us or maybe wouldn't even play Among Us. Are kind of there to get the the special Fortnite
2: Whatever. bibs and bobbles mm-hmm. that they give
0: you for being, you know, do, trying this and they don't really care. They're just sort of getting through it, you know? I don't know.
3: Yeah. I definitely played against people who were a pair. Um, and one of them was a spy and one of them was not. And no matter what, they just voted together and it was like, Okay, you're just here to yeah. troll everyone. Right. Real fun. Real fun.
0: Real fun. Well, well, you know, you give it a good college try there, Fortnite, but Among Us is still among us, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, uh, tell me about bug snacks because oh uh, you know a lot of people love the bug snacks. You, it, it's is it sort of Pokemon Light or
1: uh, yeah.
3: very much like Pokemon Snap, maybe? Yeah. Um, eh, very strange game.
0: Toneally, you know, what, what about hot dog fingers? that Makes you think um, it would be
3: weenie hands. <laughs> uh, uh, weenie hands it's like the the tone compared to the visuals compared to what the actual gameplay is, is uh, so weird. Uh, It's apparently only like 10 hours long. I've probably played four or five hours of it. And the actual action of like learning how to capture the different bug snacks is pretty fun. So basically there's these insects that look like snacks, bug snacks, if you will, around the world. And you'll get quests from these different people who live in the village Um, to get them a bug snack and you have to sort of go figure out how to capture it and some of them are you have to like run another bug snack into it and some of them are you can only they only come out at night and then you have to sneak up on it or whatever so it's interesting to sort of figure out all these different ways to capture the bug snacks but the tone was so kind of like strange and off-putting to me where like you'll get the quest and the quest isn't like Sure, I'm hungry. Could use a bug snack. at somebody like, these bug snacks have been destroying my garden. So you're going to catch them and then you're going to feed them to me.
1: <laughs> it's like, Ew. And like, yeah.
3: the whole thing is not like, oh, I have my character and I'm changing my arms into weenie arms. It's like you're feeding the villagers and then you can transform them. So it's not like a very immersive and like a weird. Like I don't, I don't get to be my own weird Muppet. I'm like yeah. eating them, and then there's like weird, like like sort of cutscene moments where the town is talking at each other and they all hate each other, hmm. and so they'll have like a party and they'll be like, "Well, you're dumb. You're the worst mayor ever. You're a fake mayor." And then the other people are like, "I can't believe I came back here. I hate this." And like. Weird drama between all these cute Muppet characters. It's so strange. It is.
0: You're not into it.
3: I, I like the gameplay, but it was so yeah. peculiar. And I had so much else that I, I'm playing right now that I just felt like yeah. I had to move on. But I will say the tunes are crazy bumping. Great music <laughs> bug snacks. All right. Yeah. So I, <laughs> people love it. I'm yeah, not, I'm not heard, against it. yeah but it is well odd
0: just a little yeah a little little uh disturbing <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. I,
3: I i do feel enticed to finish it because i feel like i want to understand why all this stuff is happening but i also feel like there's not going to be an answer <laughs> to that get that,
0: <laughs> that deep bug snacks lore i gotta get, get the lore yeah.
3: yeah for sure um
0: i know that t- both of you are playing pathless which i talked about a, a, a while back i i was really a, a fan of it um what do you guys think of Pathless? The Pathless.
3: I love it. This is the reason yeah. that I actually didn't play Cyberpunk this week. Even though we talked about it, even though I said I was going to play it, I was like, yeah, 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 I'll get to it. And then I've been so immersed in the Pathless that I just that, never that got was around.
0: Exactly my experience is that I was like, I'll play this for a, a few minutes. I'll just check it out. And then I was like, three hours later, I was like, oh, I'm still zooming around this little world. Yeah, I, I dug it.
3: Oh, it's fantastic. The Transversal, at first, I thought those... Um, there's the talismans that are strewn throughout the world. Like when you first encountered them, I was like, Oh, these are a stand in and this is like target practice for eventual enemies that I'll face. And it was like, no, this is how you can just zoom so fast. Like you get like the upgraded ones and like, once you get good at at hitting those things and it's not like it's that difficult because it has auto aim, but like the timing of it and getting sort of the rhythm of doing them.
0: Totally Uh, a rhythm game. Yeah.
3: Oh, it felt great. It feels great. I'm still playing. I I hung it up just to to come over here. Um, And I think it's interesting because it's nothing is so challenging, but it is all very satisfying. So yeah. Like I love doing all the, there's tons of puzzles. I wasn't expecting it to be puzzles. I feel like it gives me like a, like a breath of the wildy kind of vibe as well with the exploration where you kind of, for
0: sure. Yeah. And and the fact that you can sort of see everything out, laid out before you're like, how do I get over there? You see like a target way up in the air and you go, how do I get to that? Oh my gosh. I, I love that kind of like aspirational exploration uh, I think I just invented a term, aspirational exploration. Um, it's not a good term, but um, <laughs> the, but then like, oh, you know, at some point I'm going to figure out how to get up there. Or I'll have a power that lets me get to there. I love that stuff in in open world games like that.
3: Uh, I It's great. And I love putting on, or like hitting triangle or whatever, to get that sort of spirit sight mode. I forget the yeah. name of it. It just like taking away like my frustrations with Breath of the Wild, where I'm like, I will get every one of these shrines. And I did, but it took me an unbelievably long time, hours of just running around the world, doing nothing. Where this is like, I want to get all the things. And sometimes it's not necessarily easy to see like those red marks that come up, because if it's behind trees, it can be pretty faint sometimes. So there still feels like I'm hunting and trying trying to find it. But then like, once I spot it, I'm like, oh, yes, that's it. And then I could just zoom over there and do whatever it is that I need to do. So I feel like it is ah, just great. I really enjoy it a lot.
0: Christian, are you uh, as positive on Pathless as Lana is?
2: No, but only because I don't think it stole me away. So I mentioned I resubbed to Apple Arcade and I'm playing on on my phone with my controller and I don't feel like I'm having, like that is hurting my experience. I'm sure it's maybe a little smoother on on playstation 5 um but all i can think about is playing more immortals i think you tweeted about that recently jeff yes we're like hooked on that game they kind of scratch a similar itch where it's it's like breath of the wild cousins you know (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i see how they dated them and that's their that's my aunt third removed whatever so like I'm so into Immortals Phoenix Rising already that like, you know, I should play Pathless. I have Apple Arcade again. Uh, People have raved about it. And I maybe spent 30 minutes an hour max with it. And I was like, I just, I don't want to be here right now. But I think it's beautiful. I like what it's doing. It just didn't hook me hard and fast and pull me away from all of the other stuff that I'm playing, namely Immortals, which is so easy to jump in feel like I did something meaningful See what I did here. I like your question, but what I want to talk about. <laughs>
0: yeah. Is it, is it a Mark for marketing here, or is it we're we talking about? Yeah. yeah. I, I too, all I want to do right now is play Immortals Phoenix Rising. And, um, I have put in a bunch of time on it. I, I want to do the thing that's so shocking to me about Immortals Phoenix Rising is there's two dozen different kinds of things to do in the game. And All of them are fun. All of them are fun. I love all of them. All of the the dumb little goofy missions that in other open world games are like, well, that's kind of. I'm not going to chase papers flitting across the world in Assassin's Creed. I I, I don't enjoy that. It's kind of dumb. I'm not going to do that. In this game, like I I haven't found a single type of quest that I don't like. Like everything is fun. I want to do all of it, and so I, I, I'm just. Methodically going through the map and opening every chest and going to every, you know, doing every epic. Che- every epic chest is like got a cool little hook to it or something interesting that you need to do in order to unlock it. Every cool, like, shoot an arrow through 12 circles all around, you know, guide your arrow methodically through the tool. Tw- I love doing that. I'm everything is fun. It is so beautifully designed. And I totally bounced off of uh breath of the wild i mean people who listen to the show know that i did not fall in love with that game the way most have and i totally understand that this game
2: is derivative of that game it is absolutely a breath of the wild like well see i would disagree i would say it's inspired by or like a cousin of or call of duty as a halo like like there's more structure to it and for some people that will put them off I think the beauty of Breath of the Wild for so many people was discovery and magic and like, oh my gosh, this is, and I only have three pins to put on the map or whatever it was. And after that, I'm just on, I'm out here and look what I can do with this leaf and this raft and this balloon and all this stuff. And Immortals Phoenix Rising is very much, you know, climb to the top of a peak, scan around, highlight everything. It stays marked on your map. You can open up your map again and make a waypoint to go to it, but it still, it. To me, that organization helps. Like I like that, but I also like that it's not full Ubisoft open the map and everything's already marked. And I'm like, I can't do anything, and I panic. <laughs> yeah, it, it scratches a really nice itch. Like that balance between blank map Breath of the Wild, but then it allows me to mark it up in a way that I, I'm like, I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna do all of these things, and the temples and puzzles are are exquisite. So I've had good. one that I was so like, good. that was fine but only because the others were all 10 out of 10, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, there, there was the, the first Ares uh, temple, which was, it, you walk in and there's this giant demon thing that's chained with like five huge chains going all over this crazy abstracted uh, sort of um, um, fantasy place, you know, this sort of uh, place that exists only in in the 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 void or whatever. And it's like, you know, floating blocks and everything. And then, but there's this demon that's chained up in the middle of it. And you have to figure out how to break the chains uh, at their end points in each of them. And it's this huge open thing that gives you no clues. You just like, figure it out. How are you going to get up there? And it has that aspirational exploration that I like so much. And where I'm like, how am I going to get up there? How am I going to find that? How am I going to, and that, that process of getting to the end of each of those chains through a number of, puzzles of rolling boulders down things and unlocking uh, you know switches and doing all, all kinds of crazy stuff finally unlock the demon the game goes hey this demon's super hard you may want to come back here and fight it later and i was like no i'm just gonna try it now had this long protracted battle with the demon that was so much fun it was like took me to my breaking point but i was doing it and i finally defeat the demon and i finished that and it was just that was just one little Temple in this huge sprawling game, and I went. That sequence is one of the most
2: fun things I've done all year. Yeah, and it, it's like, you can and, do it early. And that little you can do it late. Like someone might yeah. not have even found that yet, and had their own right. you know story of some awesome temple that they discovered. And it's yeah, it's it,
0: and it's there's special. dozens of experiences like that in the game. There's all kinds of amazing sequences where. You know, I feel like a genius because I solved the puzzle in the way that it was supposed to be solved. (laughs) The way you do in in Zelda games, you know, the way you do in old school Zelda games, too. You know, the the old temples where it's like, oh, there's only one way to get all the keys in this order to get through the thing. But I feel like I figured it out. Um, And I I just the other thing the game does so well, so smartly is everything pays off in some way. There's a billion different currencies that you earn gems and lightning bolts and all kinds of crazy stuff and you have this central hub where you can use them to buy all kinds of upgrades for yourself and every upgrade i want right even games like assassin's creed or other games that i like a lot and especially cyberpunk has this problem where upgrades don't feel very interesting You know, like you get plus two to this. It's like, okay, well, what does that even mean? I don't To what? Yeah. Plus I get a plus two. Yeah, exactly. Two what's what, how does that even affect? I don't have any way to contextualize that. It bears no, yes. Okay. My gun does two more. Okay. (laughs) You know, but, and and this game has a little of that, right? You do get, you, you do increase your damage on stuff or your defense on stuff, but for the most part, it has really palpable upgrades that I feel, you know? And, and Breath of the Wild had some of that. Like, more hearts, you definitely feel. More stamina pips, you definitely feel. And this game has stamina and hearts as well. But all kinds of other stuff. You have, All of the upgrades that you can buy, I want. I'm, like, looking through the things. I'm like, oh, my God, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. I mean, I spent currency, hard earned currency on some of the most like boring sounding things, but they had a huge impact. Like I bought the, um, the ability to zip forward while you're gliding Christian and it's awesome, dude, it feels awesome. Um, I bought the like ability to jump while you're climbing stuff and it feels fantastic. I even bought stuff.
2: Sorry, real quick. It's stuff too, that it feels great to get but you don't feel punished for not having, if that makes sense. It's not like, some games are like, once you get the jump, when you're climbing, it makes a world of difference until then. That's the first thing to get. And I'm sure there is some min-maxing here, but it's like, I don't have that one yet. I know what it is, but I've prioritized other things. And so now I just, I have a lot of stamina and I climb or I work around the environment to get up to a higher vantage point and zip glide over there. And so that I think is what it does really well. And then the last point, and I'll duck out again, and maybe it's just 2020 talking still, but it's a world I want to be in. And Valhalla mm-hmm. is a fantastic game and, and maybe deserves to be reviewed higher. You know, I don't know the review scores between the two. My gut is Valhalla probably is like a little bit higher air quote, you know, than Immortals Phoenix rising is, but I've, I, that world is brutal <laughs> and I like brutal games. My favorite game of the year. It's no surprise. Very brutal game. We'll talk about it uh, whenever I've talked about it a bunch already, but the, the world that they've created in Immortals: Phoenix Rising is a world I want to be in. I want to pick pomegranates, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. it's nice and it's pleasant, and I'm having a good time.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's it's beautiful. The game is beautiful. My, I'm not a huge fan of the character models. Like, it's a little too claymation-y for
3: me. I think great like a little.
2: When I'm playing as my avatar, I don't like her in cutscenes. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's one of the things I was going to ask about. Well, not necessarily character models, but I've heard a, a lot of people have heard. I've been reading Twitter. Um a lot of people talking no, about it. No, you animals. play your
2: Twitter out loud. Go ahead. You can listen I to I do. <laughs>
3: Text to speech all the, the tweets. Um the one of the things I've heard about this game is that the tone is something that is like a little sillier, I think, than people were expecting. Definitely still. Is that, is yeah. that something it's that a- holds up over time, or is that like however many hours in you're kind of like, okay, <laughs> it's I, a little goofy. I really or is like it. it great.
2: It. The jokes, are, the jokes are hit and miss. You know, maybe 60 percent, which I think is a great percentage for jokes. But I think the beauty of the game for me is the pacing of them. It's it's not like now oh, here's yeah. two hours of jokes. You know, there's a I can go hours without coming across any of it, right? Except for. You know, maybe some quips my character makes as she's exploring, but you can just kind of live in this world and then hear something funny or be, you know, see something interesting and, and fun, but it's not an eight hour narrative based comedy game, you know? So I, I think mm-hmm. that really, really helps. Yeah. And
0: it's exactly what Christian said. Like it, it's a nice alternative to everything else, right? So few games actually try to be funny. And this game really embraces that, right? The whole game is narrated by this sort of comedy duo of Zeus and, um, um, but why can I never remember? It's, uh, uh, alien sequel guy.
2: Prometheus, Jeff, come on. you <laughs> Prometheus. Have it yeah, Prometheus. I was going to try to say <laughs> <laughs> you had it. Yeah. Alien
1: sequel guy. Uh,
2: I can never remember. It is- uh, anyway, but it, they're, they're, they're straight up
0: doing a comedy duo and they narrate the whole game. Right? So y- it, it's not just a thing but that not starts at the talking. beginning right right
2: yes it, it i think it's done very very well in, oh, in fact and i i mean this as a credit to both games this game that no one's told me about yet Hades Hades is an incredible alt comic right like Hades <laughs> yeah. Hades is the coolest comic it's Martin
1: and, hip and cool, yeah
2: it's kumail Kyle Kinane Pat Oswalt. like it, it it's incredible and Immortals Phoenix Rising is your dad, and I mean that it's me. It's Je- you know it's like yeah. You roll your eyes at some of them, but it's so fun yeah. and it's so well intentioned that you love it and you're like hey. light and it it, it,
0: it it has a light touch, right? It it, yes. it 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 just sort of you know an example is you know there's the god Aries who you have to say has been transformed into a chicken. So there's all kinds of chicken jokes, right? no one has ever said a chicken joke is the smartest, coolest, hippest joke in the world. There's no such thing as a cool, hip chicken joke.
3: You ain't never heard my chicken joke, but continue.
0: (laughs) You got, you got a tight 20 on chicken.
3: You don't even know,
0: (laughs) but you know, like I'm, I'm here for it. Right. I'm here for the, the, the voiceover actor going over a bunch of, you know, it's, 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 it's silliness, but the game is so good and so fun. And, it just makes you want to be in that world.
2: It's light. It's I constantly go. Oh, I have too 20 more minutes. It doesn't. What? It's earnest in its silliness. It's not trying yeah. to be, you know, something. It's not. Um, right. Yeah. It yeah. wears it really well. It, it it is a
0: really criminally underrated game. I just it, more people need to be playing it. I find it to be so beautifully designed. The world is awesome. Awesome. Like from a pure aesthetic, like discovering new sections of the world are, dude, it's so cool. The fights are awesome. The bad guys are so fun to to take on. And I mean, I find the combat to be so superior to Breath of the Wild. I'm sorry, I know that's blasphemy, but uh, it basically fixes all the things that I didn't like Breath of the Wild for. It, It does, to me, this is the Fortnite You know, it it is to Breath of the Wild as Fortnite is to PUBG, right? It's just, yes, it is a kind of derivative or it is influenced heavily, but it also improves in a lot of ways and adds its own personality to it. And
3: it's
2: also- I I
3: (laughs) I forget what you don't like about Breath of the Wild, but that is such, as somebody who has never played any Zelda games except for Breath of the Wild, I'm like, What? It's so good. I have yeah, to, I, I was I picked between this game and the Pathless, and I wish I picked this one now. But next week, I well, guess. I'm
0: very curious what you would think of it as somebody that loves Breath of the Wild. I wonder if you would feel like it is a, a pale, you know, a, a well, pale shadow I of that think game. So
3: because I think a lot of people love Breath of the Wild, specifically like the aesthetic to it in a lot of ways, because they have all these memories with Link. Like they, yeah. they love that style because they've been living with it like their whole lives. Like this was their, their, their franchise. Like same with people who love Final Fantasy. They're like, this is my thing. I love every version that comes out. Whereas, like I think in a lot of ways, Final Fantasy aesthetic doesn't appeal to me. I think there are definitely things in Zelda yeah. that that doesn't necessarily appeal to me. Um, where I think character design wise, I haven't seen that much of Immortal's Phoenix Rising, but I think I like the look more. And I think the gameplay yeah. from Breath of the Wild is what sold me. So if you have something with like this beautiful look, uh, that's sort of like like more tunier or more more pushed in certain ways, but with that same sort of um, those same mechanics and puzzles, like well, yo, you give me like exploring and puzzles and fun combat. Oof.
0: Oh, you're gonna dig it, then it's it is all that and and exquisite. I mean, it, the the puzzles are fantastic, and the combat is excellent i mean everything is really really top notch and great traversal i mean i can like you know hold down y and instantly have this mount underneath me and i can collect a bunch of mounts and i'm riding 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 get to the edge of a cliff leap off expand my wings glide for a while zoom forward because i upgraded my glide to go zoom forward get to a cliff cling onto the side climb up a bit you know it's like i'm just moving through the world in all these really interesting cool ways and finding things and it 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 is a it is exactly the kind of game that i love and i'm it's done very very well so mortals phoenix rising big thumbs up from both christian and myself christian tell me about a game that just got announced and is already in alpha you've been playing back for blood
2: yeah did you did you dive in at all just so i can ping things no okay uh, no, I didn't
0: have any time. To
2: no, it, no, though. no, I, not not a problem. So we talked about it last week as it was announced. And I was like, no, I, I love this. I I love Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. Give me more Left 4 Dead. This is the studio that made those games. And they're they're making that game again. Oh, buddy, it's that game. Like, it is based on this alpha. In a good way or in a bad way? In a... Uh, I really like it. I don't think it will be a hit. Way, if that makes sense. Like, I I don't oh. think does it feels old school or like been there, done that. Been there, done that. So what it does is yeah. it introduces a a well, th- who knows? This is the alpha. The game isn't set to launch until June, I believe, um, which is when Cyberpunk was supposed to launch. So maybe it will be December, and we'll see. <laughs> um, but it's set to launch in June. So this is an alpha. And what it's adding right now to the Left 4 Dead formula are these cards We're at the beginning of each round or map, uh, enemy cards will appear and it'll be like more, I'm making these up and generalizing them, but it's like more hordes, more special enemies, uh, 10x from, uh, damage from the front, less ammo or whatever. And then you have your deck of cards as well. Um, that you can then play to either kind of counterbalance those things or if your plate styled is one way or another, you want to buff this or you know help your teammates with this. And then once those are laid out and the other people you're playing with have their cards set, then you go and play. And when you go and play, it is left for dead. Like it, it I'm playing, I think it maybe it's only on PC. I'm playing the alpha on PC. It looks pretty, but it also in my head looks like how I remember left for Dead looking. Uh, if that makes sense. I I imagine it looks vastly superior, but I'm like, this is Left For Dead. I mean, it's it's down to when you start the Alpha, it has a trailer that you can watch online and it kind of goes through it and it talks about the director, you know, will change things as you play. And it's all of those same things from Left For Dead. When you come across ammo, the voice lines sound very it's like ammo here, uh there's some health over here. Um and there's birds that if they squawk, you know, they'll call the the afflicted, I forget what they call zombies in this game. I'm going to create a game in 2021 with zombies and I'm going to call them zombies. (laughs) That's radical. (laughs) That's too radical. No one's ever heard of it. Um, (laughs) it, it, Like it will attract them and there's like the bloater and, you know, the special types, like it is so much that game where you're going from a safe house to this or the other. And I just feel like, I know that there are people that this will be their first experience with it because left for dead two is, old now right like it is a it, it is on nick at night <laughs> you know um but to me i think it feels like i put so many hours into those i imagine i will buy this game when it comes out i will play it for five or six and then it will fall into my memory as being left for dead if that makes sense like I'm like yeah i played a lot of that before and i don't think it will capture the streaming culture the way I think they want it to based on what's out right now on the alpha all that said if you love left for dead and you want more left for dead this is going to be right up your alley all right it's
0: back for blood do we know our release date on this yet i think it's, it's, it's june i think so. it's
2: june 2021
0: all right all right uh i want to mention one more game uh it's weird that we're going to do this whole episode and really not talk about cyberpunk 2077 have you Stopped playing it, Christian?
2: No, I'm still playing it. I'm, I'm working my way through and I'm trying to explore more of the branches, you know, explore yeah. more of the bush, um, as we talked about last week. But to be honest, you know, I, I sit down and I'll play 30, or 45 minutes of cyberpunk and then I'll be like, let me just check on Immortals.
0: <laughs> that, dude, that's I, you know, I said at the very, very beginning of the year that I was going to try a new mantra, follow the fun, and uh, the last few days I've been following the fun and the following the fun right away from from Cyberpunk 2077. I do want to return to that game at some point. Uh, and it's not because the game is is buggy. It's not I'm not waiting for a patch. I just am drawn to other games. And uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising right now is top of that list. But second on that list is a game that I I find to be delightful just came out indie game called Airborne Kingdom. You may remember, dear listener, me talking about this when I saw it at PAX, like two years, not PAX, uh, GDC, like two years ago, something like that. Anyway, it, it finally released. Airborne Kingdom is a city builder, like a Civ-style god game city builder, except instead of your civilization being on the ground, it's an airborne kingdom it's in the air you're this cool sort of steampunk flying city and you're hovering above this fantasy world and soaring around you can move your city from place to place by clicking on the map and flying around and you hover over resources like water and trees and lumber and stuff and you send your after you build a uh You build a, like a hangar on the side of your city. You send little biplanes down and they harvest things and fly back up to your city. And so you're basically operating on two levels. This brilliantly executed dual layer perspective where you've got your city, your sprawling city that gets ever broader and wider and more interesting and more, you know, your little diorama world that I always love that you're building that's floating in the sky and you you know you build housing for your people by attaching little platforms and then building houses and and then you build you know different uh different buildings that give you new technologies that you can create new things process new kinds of resources and build larger and larger cities and you always have to worry about balancing your city because you're this floating uh in the sky you're this flying you know giant propellers keeping you aloft uh and so if you put too many buildings on one side you get what's called tilt in the game and your city starts to list to one side so you have to like build in a symmetrical way and worry about tilt sometimes Uh, and then you can like upgrade different technologies and create different kinds of lift and different kinds of propulsion for your city to move So you've got this layer that's happening in the sky of building out this wonderfully detailed city with all these little people moving about and little moving parts, things flapping and propellers propelling and all these wonderful little details that are happening in the sky. And then below you, far below you, you see the surface layer of the planet, of the continent that you're moving around where you've got resources that you can discover. You've got other civilizations that don't fly around in the air because you are the only airborne kingdom. Everybody else is earthbound and terrestrial. And so, but you can still fly over them and make contact and, you know, get into treaties and um, do quests for them and earn new technologies and find out new things by talking to them and uh, discovering other things on the map, the hidden things, surprising things, Uh, that you can find that will give you new boons and recruit new people to join your society and all these wonderfully fun things, none of which, in contrast to a game like Civilization, includes going to war. This is a game that is purely nonviolent, and I find it to be such a beautiful respite uh, in this world of ours in 2020 here at the end uh, to just play this wonderfully creative um nonviolent, beautiful game. Uh, I, th- I think the art style is gorgeous. It's kind of got a little bit of a papercraft look to it. Uh, everything's a little bit blocky and boxy, but it's gorgeous. And I love, as I said, this sort of diorama idea all the time where you see all these little moving parts, these intricate things, and you get to build your city just so and attach stuff and and see it grow and become a sprawling metropolis in the sky Look, Ugh, this game is awesome
3: i'm looking at i think there's screenshots is there like a photo mode or does it have that really shallow depth of field
0: it has that shallow depth of field wow yeah.
3: is, uh, this is yeah.
0: gorgeous Dude, the game is so beautifully designed the the way it relates information to you i i absolutely love it it Everything is very clear. It'll have like text sort of inlaid on the surface of the planet, like inside um, inside the context of, of cities or terrain. But it, it almost looks like a map. Uh, they'll have little balloons that fly up to show you where things are. Like Everything is expressed sort of in the context of what you're looking at on the screen. I mean, there's lots of menus as well. I mean, these games are always have lots of menus, but I just love how the game lays things out because that double layer system could have been overwhelming and confusing and messy. Really. It could have been, it could have been messy. Like things could get in the way of other things and you could be frustrated. Like I'm trying to look at this, but my big old city is in the way. Never, never did I feel that it is elegant and, and, Perfect, like how it tells me what I need to know. So good. Uh, the only exception to that, honestly, is I don't think the tutorial is as good as it could be. Like, I wish the tutorial getting you up to speed, it, you get it quickly, and I grokked it pretty fast, but I wish the tutorial was just a little more. I mean, the game doesn't have any voice acting or anything like that. I wish it had, it, the tutorial was a little more like, okay, here's what you need to know. Instead, it's little tool tips that come up mm-hmm. periodically as as you encounter new things. Uh, and I I never think that is quite as effective as, you know, just tell me everything I need to know right at the top.
3: You know but what looking at this makes me wish I had is, and maybe this an is...
0: airborne kingdom?
3: <laughs> an airborne kingdom. I wish I had my own city that I could fly over the world um but i also wish and maybe this is just my 2020 brain i wish there was some sort of like virtual board game experience that i could play with my friends that looked like this
0: yes i mean it plays very much like a single player board game because you're like you've got to get the you you need to build the thing that converts um you know the clay into bricks and i mean it's very much all those euro board mm-hmm. games uh, and once you've got bricks, now you can build this which converts that into that and you've got all these interlocking systems of resources and um but ultimately, like the goal of the game is to bring peace to everyone and uh unite all the kingdoms and oh. I just love how it it manages to be challenging and interesting and compelling and totally positive no nonviolent there's no there's not that layer of exterminate you know the 4x games always have exterminate explore expand all that stuff Mm. exterminate is always one of them you can choose war in civilization and i love that this game is like no we don't need that layer because everything else is so compelling and fun i absolutely adore this game i i think this is right squeaking in at the end it's going to make a play for my you know my my lists it's airborne kingdom
2: and i think um, you can get it it's on sale in the Epic store right now. And I think it qualifies for their coupon too. So I think like you can pick it up right. And I think with it, like, they like their coupon their limitless $10 coupon. It's 19 bucks as of recording this. So I think you can get it for nine bucks on the Epic mm. store, which is, oh. and it's is like a good it's single player. Single player.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I, they may have a multiplayer mode that I just didn't even look at, but
1: I, 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 I yeah, my buddies.
0: Yeah. I don't, not sure. I honestly, I don't have buddies, so.
3: <laughs> okay. Wow. I'm right here. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's only single player, but I could be wrong. Cool. Yeah. Uh, super cool game. Airborne Kingdom. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Uh, what a fun, fun, fun episode. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. Lana Bashinsky, you are the best. I wouldn't want to end the year any other way than to have you back on, and I, I'm looking forward to lots more appearances in 2021. Thanks for being here.
3: Thank you so much for the invite. Hopefully, 2021 will have at least late 2021 some real life appearances. Let's get coffee lunch yes that would be anything in person delightful. well then but we'll us
2: see we'll, we'll all do that like once and then we'll be like where do you live in la jeff uh, uh where do you live uh where do you uh <laughs> let's just hop on google well, meet <laughs> yeah. i remember when i didn't have to leave my house let's do zoom
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> i have to charge my car mm, no thanks
0: yeah. honestly that's gonna be the hardest thing about emerging from this quarantine is like Oh,
2: traffic sucks. <laughs> I remember traffic. I don't remember where I put my car charger, much less my phone charger. I don't know. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, uh, Lana, tell people where they can uh, follow you and all the things that you do online.
2: Uh,
3: online, the best place to get a hold of me is Twitter. I am at Latienie. That's L-A-T-I-E-N-I-E. Uh, I'm also at Latienie pretty much anywhere, Instagram, whatever, but Twitter is probably the best the best way to hang
2: out with me on the interweb. Very cool.
0: Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week?
2: Twitter is the best way, at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. And um, I realize these things are annoying, but there's like another, it it probably ended up being like mid-2021, but uh, there's some cool stuff uh, coming, my friend. So I'm excited about that. It's fun to have things to be excited about. So I apologize for the tease, but you know what? A little good news sometimes is all we need.
0: I like it when you tease. I like it when you tease. Um, You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Lots of other shows for you. Check out my movie and TV show review show called The Slash Filmcast. You can find that at SlashFilmcast.com. We're talking about our best stuff of the year soon. Uh, But before then, we're going to be talking about Wonder Woman and Tenet and all these big movies that are finally coming out at the end of the year. Uh, so uh, check that out slash filmcast.com. Also, I've got a comedy science show where you can learn something and laugh along the way. It's called, we have concerns. You can find it at, wehaveconcerns.com. dot uh And I've got this other show that I really, really like. It's called the dungeon run. I'm proud of it. It's a uh, long, long form storytelling. It's me telling a story. Players playing through my story in real time. If you like game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings, You don't need any Dungeons & Dragons experience, although we are playing Dungeons & Dragons. But it really is about storytelling. You can listen to it like an audiobook, as an audio podcast, by searching for The Dungeon Run. Wherever you get podcasts, you can watch it. We have a really cool virtual map room that is spectacular. It visualizes the, the fights that we get into. I think you'll dig it. You can find that on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run there. Or you can watch live... Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time at Caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. Although we are taking two weeks off for the holidays. Uh, This last episode, real, real fun one. Uh, I highly recommend you check it out. Uh, What else? That's it. I think Uh, we'll go to uh, Parting Gifts. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's wrap the show up now with Parting Gifts.
1: Hey, give us a suggestion.
0: Lana, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week?
3: I absolutely do. Uh, I'm so excited to share this with you guys because I went to one of these a couple weeks ago. Um, it is—I'll say the name of it first, I guess. Nowhere Comedy Club. So mm. when the world was open, I love comedy. I love watching stand-up comedy. I love going to comedy clubs. I didn't do it very often because I didn't have a car, so I couldn't drive anywhere. Um, But I love it. I love it. And recently I saw on Twitter, Mike Berbiglia, a comedian, said, like, I'm putting on a virtual comedy show called Working It Out and sign up for tickets per household. It's like $15 or $20 per household. And what you get is a ticket, which is eventually a Zoom link that you click on to get into the show, which... Coming up to it, I was like, this is going to be a chaotic nightmare. Like coming in the Zoom call, join the Zoom call the night of. There's 700 people in the Zoom call. And they have really strict rules, really incredible moderation. They have everybody set their maximum possible volume to like 5 or 10% of their possible volume so that they can stay unmuted so that you can hear the laughter. And Microbiglia is hilarious. He has a podcast, I guess, and has started like a couple new sort of online formats for telling jokes rather than his usual sort of all like tied up at the at the end, like story that he's told with comedy interspersed throughout. It's like little bits, things he's trying, joking with the audience. You're like in the Zoom call with Mike, Mike berbiglia. It's so like surreal in a way. And then they'll like release the camera. So the camera will also bounce between... Like laughter, when it hears laughter, it'll, you'll see other people in their homes with their friends, with their partners, like all, it felt like a very wholesome experience. Like all of us are here, very far apart, coming together, seeing these different faces of people who want to do the same thing as me. So it's a hilarious show. Um, Mike Rabiglia in particular has a, a special, a, a holiday special on the 26th and 27th. I think a couple of the showings are sold out like maxed out the zoom call possible numbers i guess um but it was so funny last time so well done and so weirdly wholesome to feel so close to a bunch of strangers even more so than i would like physically sitting next to them in some kind of comedy club it was an awesome experience i highly recommend it
0: it's one of those things where nature finds a way you know what i mean the yeah. the dinosaurs will f- figure it out it, it's it, it, it so many industries right now are having to reinvent themselves in the, in the light of where we are and hopefully we'll, we'll be through it soon, but my goodness, it's amazing to see that even something that is, you know, it, it seems only possible live uh, people have figured out how to do it. And it sounds like it actually worked, which is cool.
3: It was great. It was great. That's awesome. a nowhere comedy club
0: nowhere comedy club christian
2: spicer what's your parting gift yeah i'll throw uh my weight behind nowhere comedy club as well as just talking about it to someone else online like ben glebe and the people that put that together it is nature finding a way but it is also folks like ben working very hard to to make it happen and, and find those tweaks and stuff about like yeah limit your peak volume and how we're going to do this thing and then Berbiglia was sharing screenshots and images of like the set he built for himself to to do his special and to do his shows from there's some really fun stuff like that i talked about justin willman's um, magic for humans live you know virtual show as well and it's uh it's really cool and my parting gift they also did one i think it's too late for you to watch the recap of it now but uh less than jake they have a new album out called silver linings and it is phenomenal goldfinger also has a new album out which is also pretty good but there's more swearing on it, so I don't get to listen to it as much because uh, my kids and I are all always home. <laughs> I'm not like in the car without <laughs> people anymore. Um, but Less Than Jake's new album, Silver Linings, I mean, it starts off with a bang and just and just goes from there. It is um, classic Less Than Jake, and I mean that in all the best ways possible. If you are a fan of theirs or were a fan of theirs, I highly recommend checking out their new album, Silver Linings.
0: So, they're still not as good as Jake, huh?
2: Dude, they are not, but they are so much better than Ezra. And, um, you know, there's a few things they still do really well. So,
0: all right. All right. Um, my parting gift is um, a uh, a recommendation by way of a movie. Uh, so, there's a movie uh, that we reviewed on the slash filmcast recently that I think more people should see. It's called The Sound of Metal. It is on Amazon Prime streaming. It is about a drummer, a, a heavy metal drummer who uh, loses his hearing. And it is an extraordinary film experience. But uh, I mean, it's, it's harrowing to, to go through this experience of losing one's hearing. Ultimately, it's a movie of hope, but it is an incredible experience. But I will tell you about that movie to tell you it made me think about my hearing and take care of your hearing. You know, if you're listening to this, on ear pods or uh, things that are amplifying into your eardrum, maybe turn down the volume a little bit, you know, it doesn't have to be blaring. Uh, You don't get your hearing back. So uh, this holiday season, that's my message to you. Take care of your hearing. Also, that movie is excellent.
1: Can I? Uh,
3: Oh, go ahead.
0: Go ahead, please. I was
3: going to say, can I throw in one more uh, parting gift? Just sort of attached to that. Take care of your hearing. Um, I also just want to say, the holiday season i mean i think a lot of people are going to be having a, a tough time with from their families this is my first holiday yeah. season not with my family um and things have been stressful like shipping is a nightmare if you've tried to ship anything let alone a family's worth of gifts or just like thinking about the idea of being possibly alone through this, like a couple weeks off, a couple days off, no time off. Maybe you're an essential worker. Like there's so many stressful things about the holidays. Don't just, uh, don't just, I will take care of your hearing. But in addition to taking care, take care mm-hmm. of your hearing, make sure to take care of your heart and yeah. your, your brain, you know, self-care, buy some face masks, you know, give yourself a mani, like whatever it is you got to do, let yourself relax because it's been a really tough year and whatever break you can afford yourself, you deserve to take that. And that's
0: You're here. Yeah, well said. Along those lines, we have a wonderful parting gift sent in by a listener that I think actually might give you a little self-care. And I think it's going to be great. In fact, we have special permission to share it with you. This was sent to us by Tom, who is a member of an acapella choir called uh, the Dulcet Tones, I think. Um, Here's what Tom wrote. Firstly, love the show. I've been a listener since weekend confirmed. Thank you for helping me get through 2020. Being part of something, even if it's just listening, can make a huge difference to my mental health. During this year, my local acapella choir had to solve the social side of multiple lockdowns imposed on us here in Brighton, UK. We would normally meet up every Thursday evening for an hour and a half, learning to cover classic pop, rock, and soul songs, and perform publicly at many events, for example, Brighton's Fringe Festival. For many members, choir practice is the only chance to socialize, and we've become a very tight unit over the years. Singing has been such a therapeutic outlet for us all, and I personally have gained so much by being part of this group. The woman who organizes everything, our twisted choir starter, which, bravo, bravo, Tom, uh, Sarah is a brilliant, determined singing teacher and master of all sonic persuasion. Her voice is blessed. She, put simply, rocks. During lockdown, we Zoomed, we sang, but we could never do it in sync due to lag, multiple audio dropouts, and general timing issues that we're all very f- familiar with. We had to mute ourselves and practice singing in our bedrooms, front rooms, or office spaces. We were finally able to meet up seven months into pandemic custom singing masks, and a two-meter distancing protocol were the solutions put in place. All seemed to be getting back to what we recognized as normal. However, two weeks later, along came another lockdown. Sarah, in her wisdom, decided that we were going to write an original Christmas song over Zoom. We were all going to brainstorm the lyrics, tone, and subject. The chords were already in place. We just needed the lyrics. Two weeks later, Ding Dong was written. We only had one evening to record the vocals, splitting into two groups instead of four in order to save time. Here is the result. So I've listened to Ding Dong. I think it's delightful. And we got special permission to put it on the end of this episode. So we're going to sign off uh, into the holiday season with a beautiful, beautiful original piece that I found to be uh, just Uh, stirring and soulful and perfect for this holiday in 2020. And I hope you enjoy it as well. Thank you, Tom, for sending it to us. If you want to have your parting gift on the show, send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We will also thank our musical contributors, our, our folks that sent us the bumpers that we play, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star, for their musical contributions as well. I want to thank Lana Bashinsky and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. And I want to thank each and every one of you for being with us over this year and uh, over this episode. I can't wait to wrap things up next week. We're going to be big episode. We're going to talk about our favorites of 2020 and then uh, on to 2021. So I hope you stick with us until then think about what you put out into the world, make it a better place.